I'm Corey Shapiro. This is the Getting Divorce Without Losing Your Mind podcast, where we discuss divorce news, we answer listener questions, I sometimes provide my observations about relationships. I've been a family lawyer for a while. I have a lot to say. Quick announcement this episode, a five-part video series of the key points from my book, Getting Divorced Without Losing Your Mind, is up on the website. This is for people who prefer to watch videos. It's a supplement to the book rather than reading. And please give me your feedback on that. I think it's going to be very useful for a lot of people. All right, moving to divorce news. This article in the New York Times caught my eye. I have the link to the article in the show notes. It was published on January 19th, 2022. The title is Divorce is Hard. Here's how you can help those going through one. And the article cites a study that found that if people in your close social network divorce, if people in your close social network divorce, the risk of your marriage ending greatly increases. Sort of like, I guess, some type of virus. It's contagious. And this is why I think practically what I have found is that post-divorce, where you had these couples that you used to hang out with all the time, generally one of those couples is no longer friends anymore with all your former marital friends. And I know that's very hard for people who are going through a divorce. It's a lonely time. I mean, not only are you losing what most consider to be your best friend, then you start losing people who are in your social network, who are so important. Like, for example, in COVID, we all realize how important it is just those daily conversations, getting your coffee, meeting people in the hall that a lot of people don't have anymore if you're you're working from home. So what I would suggest, since one thing great about this podcast and about what I'm doing outside my practice is I get to people earlier. And I would suggest letting people know about this issue and that maybe even sending this article for people that you do want to stay friendly with. And I'm not saying you have to be the same friends with each person, but it's nice to get a text or a call on your birthday, holidays, once in a while, catch up. And that's really what I'm looking at. I can understand that a couple who are in an intact marriage want to choose one member of that marriage as their close friend, but I wouldn't totally shun the other person. I had my own personal experience in this where I invited, I knew this friend before she got married to a party. She couldn't come. Then I invited her former spouse to the party. He came. But when my friend found out about this, she got really mad at me. And I didn't really understand that dynamic, you know, that there's still such pain. I always say, for example, in another context, it's like the child custody. Back in the day, traditionally, it used to be one parent getting most of the time one parent getting most of the time, the other parent would get like Wednesday, you know, McDonald's and alternating weekends, the fun parent, quote unquote. And now there's a movement towards really meaningful time, really 50-50. And I think that should be the presumption in most cases. And I think that's sort of what I'm seeing now that we're becoming aware of this in friendships. So this is just something to think about if you are going through a divorce. I know January, a lot of announcements are made. Some call January the divorce month. So that's my divorce news for this week. Okay, so let's move on to the question. 
it comes from TA. TA asks, she brought property jointly before she was married. Now she is getting divorced. What happens to that property I bought together? What should I do? Well, TA, that's a good question because many people don't know this, but the property you bought with your spouse before you were married is not marital property, right? It's not marital property. And every state has a little different definition of marital property. One thing interesting about family law is there's an intersection of other areas of the law. And in this case, we're dealing with property law, right? Property law. In most states, it's called a partition action. And that's what you would do if you weren't married. If you just buy property jointly with a friend or a colleague or an associate and you just want to now get out of that situation and you don't want to sell it necessarily or you can't figure out the credits and how to divide everything, you would file an action for a partition, right? Now, what's the difference between a partition action, you may think, and just doing this in a divorce as marital property? Well, what's the big difference? And there's really not necessarily much. A partition action is based on equity, which is how most marital property is divided. It's based on equitable factors. Here, the limitation is that the court's really looking at those equitable factors or fairness, or some might say discretion of what the judge thinks is fair, just limited to that property. So it doesn't matter if you were a good friend or a bad friend. They're really looking at contributions, direct contributions, financial contributions primarily to that property. Who made the tax payment? Who made the mortgage payment? Who put in the down payment? And they can literally come up with a formula. They can figure out like one party put in 90% of all the, the, the expenses, the other party put 10%. So that's what I think it should be. Now, one tip to think about, if you buy property, which you did TA, it seems like it was someone who you have a romantic relationship, but you're not married, it might be beneficial, and I don't think you're in this situation, but maybe for our listeners, to get an agreement because- what would happen is in a romantic relationship, even if you spend more money on the property, it might still be considered equal by the parties because of different factors in the relationship based on love and affection. And I haven't seen one case that has gone to litigation where a, another side who's put in all the money will literally concede that issue unless they're forced to. So it would be really helpful to not lose your mind in that type of partition action, to have an agreement that you can show that, yes, the other person paid for everything, but that was what our understanding was always equal. And here's the agreement to show that, Judge. And then that would be a much easier case, much lower budget. So I hope, TA, this is helpful. You're just going to have to do sort of like an accounting of what was paid, what was not paid. If you do have equitable what we call non-financial contributions, those things are going to have to be explored, but it's a harder case than if you had an agreement. So I wish you luck, TA, on that. All right, I think this is a good place to end this podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have your own divorce questions that you would like to be answered on the podcast, please go to podcast.gettingdivorced.org. We want to hear it. If you have feedback for the show, please send us an email to feedback at gettingdivorced.org. We strive to make this podcast as useful as possible so the feedback is helpful. Until next time, don't lose your mind. Mm-hmm.